is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Garcella locked up the worst criminals putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scott Sully took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to the Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. Another big weekend of NFL action is upon us, and Bruce Marshall, fine senior writer for the Gold Sheet, joins us as he has for 30 years to take a look at that action, analyze it for you, break it down, and give you his predictions. And the Lions are now off the snide, (laughs) as they got a tie last weekend, so they aren't unwinning if that's a word, they're going to go up against the Browns. So how do you see it? Well, you know, they've been pretty competitive most weeks, Ron. We've been talking about them a lot, and they haven't won yet. They do have that tie now, so we're not going to be comparing them to the Detroit predecessors of 08 or the Browns from 2017 or the 76 Bucks who lost all their games. Now the comparison is the 1960 expansion Cowboys who lost all their games except one, which they tied right at the end of the year against the Giants. So, that's the comparison, but I think they'll they'll put the sword to that one of these weeks. They'll stay close here. Um, they were able to run the football against Pittsburgh last week to the tune of over 200 yards. DeAndre Swift is running the ball well. That's good. Not a lot of NFL teams can run like that. Baker Mayfield is banged up on the Cleveland side. It looks like he's probably going to go, but this team has been very inconsistent this season, and I'm not sure they're going to put the Browns, uh, the Lions away until very late, uh, but they probably win close. 22-19 Cleveland. Uh, but Detroit hangs around once again. Yeah, good call on your part. The 49ers finally showed who they were and what they do well, which is run the football. And if you can run the football, then you can get timely passes. And that is exactly what Garoppolo did last weekend. They go out on the road to take on the Jags. Do they follow it with a second straight win? I think they could, Ron. And uh, we've talked about the Niners a lot this year and wondering, you know, with all the injuries and there were some excuses like they had last year, legitimate excuses. But that was the first time on Monday night they really looked like the Super Bowl team of two years ago. They really did. And the defense, which has had some attrition this year, uh, really set the tone, I think. Uh, the rush on Matthew Stafford, they really bothered him. Physical, like you say, they, and they were able to run the ball, and that certainly helped Garoppolo on the offensive side. Jacksonville has made some progress this season, uh, but uh, they don't score a lot of points. Trevor Lawrence still learning the ropes. So he's early in the learning curve in the NFL. And the Niner defense, if it played like it did against Stafford and the Rams, they're going to be able to do some business against the Jags down here in Florida. So uh, let's take the Niners, 20-10, to 10, maybe a little lower scoring game, but uh, I think they might be back on track. I see the Colts are underdogs by a touchdown. They're going up against the Bills, and, you know, we've seen the Bills kind of stutter along the way, and I'm not sure which Bill team is going to, you know, step up because the Colts have played some pretty good football this season. They have the last month for sure. They won four or five. Uh, you know, a little little shaky last week against Jacksonville, but winning's the name of the game, and they've been doing it. 
Uh, Jonathan Taylor is running up a storm. Uh, Carson Wentz is benefiting from that. The defense is pretty sound. Um, and they have been a very combative team, and they certainly think they should have won the playoff game in Buffalo last year, so a score to settle. You are correct about Buffalo being a little inconsistent. I mean, look at these recent games, losing against the Jags without scoring, then putting up, uh, scoring a TD, and then 45 points last week against the Jets. I don't want to get too carried away by that. But uh, there has been some inconsistency there, and I think this is going to be a pretty close game like it was in the playoffs last year. Similar score, too. We had a 30-27 to Buffalo. Indy stays there all the way. You know, it was interesting. Aaron Rodgers returned. Wilson returned as well in that game against Seattle. And the Green Bay Packers uh, pitched a shutout in beating Seattle. And this week they go up against uh, the Vikings. And I'm not quite sure, you know, if, if Aaron Rodgers is back fully and the Vikings are trying to stay alive. So what do you think happens here? This is intriguing, and you're right on all that. And, and Rodgers didn't look all that sharp last week. I mean, the no. Packers didn't, you know, get get touchdowns until late. Uh, but the defense did step up, and I think that might be the difference here. Although I would keep a wary eye here on the Vikings. They're one of many teams still in the hunt for. I mean, the Packers are ahead in this division pretty comfortably. But the wild card. I mean, there's six of them, uh, or three wild cards now. So six teams beyond uh, the top seed in the conference, and the Vikings certainly have a shot at one of those spots uh, with uh, Cousins uh, getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers, uh, Jefferson certainly, and Dalvin Cook last week, a good game against the Chargers. But uh, the Packers seem to have a little mojo on the Vikings lately, and they've been able to win these games on the road. And with Rodgers in there, they have not lost a game since the opener at the Saints. Uh, We'll take Green Bay close here, 23-19 on Sunday. And the Ravens have been inconsistent as well. I mean, they look good one week. The next week they look terrible. They're going to be traveling to Chicago to take on the Bears. And some of the reports that I hear out of Chicago is there's a little bit of finger-pointing in the clubhouse, in the locker room. Uh, So what do you think might uh, happen in this one? Well, I I think Baltimore, we can assume a better effort here. I mean, the combination of that poor game, like you mentioned, against Miami last Thursday. But the extra few days off – um, allowing the Ravens to kind of recalibrate here. Uh, they have played on the road pretty well. Listen, the Bears, you, you make a good point there. Um, that whole situation was, I think, sort of built to fail this year. you got a coach and a GM in, in Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace who were under the gun. You're going with a rookie quarterback here. Fields, uh, this seemed just like an awkward fit all the way around. Fields has shown some upside here, but uh, for the most part, the Bears find ways to lose. And I think that's probably going to happen here again this week. 26-17 Ravens, and I think they get back on track on Sunday. Raiders are going to be at home, and their quarterback, Derek Carr, says, no, we are not going to collapse like we have done in previous years. So they'll entertain the Bengals with the uh, hope that he's right about that. But how do you see it? I think he's wrong. And uh, they were saying the same things last week after they lost the Giants and they went in and really laid a big egg against the Chiefs, and which was the biggest game really for the Raiders since they moved to Las Vegas. I mean, the big crowd there, and it's a chance to take control of the division, and they just laid a complete egg. That's what you've got with this team. The defense has still got some issues there. Car blows hot and cold. How about the Bengals the other way? Now, they've had a week off, and they were not two good weeks before that. They lost that big, big game to the Browns. Uh, and they lost the game to the Jets. But um, the, everybody's still in place there. Jamar Chase is putting up big numbers as a rookie. You've still got Joe Burrow. And I think the Bengals are going to be able to come in here and outscore the Raiders, who I think are in some trouble. 31-24 Cincinnati. We've seen this from the Raiders the last couple of years. I think it's happening again. 
Good uh, pick on your part. Seahawks will try to bounce back after being shut out by Green Bay last week, and the Cards still trying to get healthy. And so we'll see what happens when they square off up in Seattle. You wonder, Ron, about the Seahawks last week. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers a little he only Rodgers only missed one game. I mean, Russell Wilson had been out a month. He really looked rusty in that game. He threw overthrew some passes that he normally wouldn't. And, you know, it certainly looked to me and others like this was a direct uh, reflection on that finger injury. I mean, he, he maybe just shouldn't have played last week. So I'm not sure he's really ready to help. The question here is the other way. Is Kyler Murray going to play? Um, indicators are he, he now that he might, he's missed the last two games to disparate efforts by the Cardinals against the Niners. They look great with Colt McCoy and bad against the Panthers last week. If Murray plays, I think we're going to give Arizona a shot to go up to Seattle because the Seahawks just look like they're struggling right now. And uh, Russell Wilson, not quite at 100%. 28-17 Arizona, but remember, that's recommendation with uh, Murray in the lineup. And the marquee game on the schedule this week is going to be in Kansas City, where the Chiefs will be at home to take on the Cowboys. Yep, and it is. And boy, the history for these two go way back to the early 60s, and they were actually both based in Dallas, and the Chiefs were the Dallas Texans for a few years. We know that whole story. And uh, then they moved to Kansas City in 63. And uh, here we go again. Uh very important for the Chiefs last week uh, to win that game big against the Raiders. Patrick Mahomes finally looked comfortable again after several indifferent efforts. We know how good he can be. Five TD passes. The defense is also playing better. Uh, yes, Dallas bounced back two last week against Atlanta, but it was just against Atlanta out in the road. I think they'll be challenged here. If Mahomes is really back here, I would rather have him in a shootout than Dak Prescott, and I think that's what's going to happen this week. 34-26, Kansas City, I think they're back on track. And, oh, by the way, they are back in first place in the AFC West. And the Steelers-Chargers on Sunday night, what happens? If Big Ben is there, I think the the Steelers have a chance here to pull this one out. It was Mason Rudolph last week, Big Ben out with COVID. The thought is he should be activated by Sunday. Chargers have some defensive problems right now. Uh, Bosa is the latest one who is out. And we saw last week the Vikings abused the Charger defense. The Bolts couldn't keep the Vikings off the field, couldn't get Justin Herbert back on the field late. And I think if Big Ben is there uh, – Pittsburgh wins this thing. They've been a very good underdog for Mike Tomlin as well. 23-20 Pittsburgh, but remember, that's a recommendation with Big Ben available. And in about 30 seconds, uh, the team that is the dumbest team in the NFL, according to their coach, <laughs> the Bucks on Monday night play the Giants. Yeah, how about that? Well, you lose to Washington like that and make the mistakes, and no wonder that Coach Arian said that. One thing about the Giants, this has been a very good role for them. They've actually covered 12 of their first last 14 games as a road underdog, and they might be getting healthier now with Galladay, maybe even Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones has played better lately too. I think it's going to be a close game like it was last year up in MetLife. 25-20 bucks will not be easy. The Giants keep it competitive on Monday. Okay, and what do you have this weekend for all our Sports Byline USA listeners? Hey, Ron, thanks much. Well, basketball season's here. Colleges have started, and nobody does basketball like we do at the Gold Sheet. It's a daily publication, very unique, and a good read on college hoops and NBA. That's up at our website, goldsheet.com. Of course, all of our football publications there, and my picks. And they're also at vegasinsiderandonbest.com. Okay, Bruce, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Okay, Ron. Bruce Marshall, fine senior writer for the Gold Sheet. He's been with me for some 30 years. And also check out on the Gold Sheet his feature stories. 
We continue along with more of you in America's Sports Talk Show. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. Time to check in with Roy Eisenhart as we do each week at this time. Of course, Roy's been a lawyer, former president of the Oakland A's when his family owned that team, and now he teaches law and sports 
at UC Berkeley and the University of San Francisco. And we call this segment Inside Angle as we try to dig down a little bit deeper on some of the interesting sports stories to give you a better perspective. Roy, I got a couple of emails about this one. Coach Justin Fuente is out at Virginia Tech before completing his sixth season with the program. And the Hokies announced a mutual parting of the ways with the coach who led the team to a 43-31 and record since 2016. Now, somebody has to explain to me, and this is around what I got in the emails from a couple of listeners. He's going to be owed a $10 million buyout, and that would have decreased by $2.5 million after December the 16th. And these things, of course, are moving quickly on the coaching carousel that Virginia Tech apparently felt that they had to actively join the coaching market. So in making that move, the Hokies clearly prioritized replacing Fuente sooner rather than later to add uh, aid uh, recruiting over financial considerations uh, on the field. Uh, you know, the, the notes that I got, the emails I got, people say, how can you explain this is $2.5 million that's coming out of somebody's budget on a campus over a one-month period of time that they could have waited and saved $2.5 million? Can you give me some insight here? <laughs> well, first I'm going to play a little defense here and say this is the first I heard this story. But having said that, um, you know, these these universities do a calculation which is off the books in a lot of sense. They figure, okay, with this coach we're losing, and we're losing this much money because we're our attendance is down, or we're not getting as many TV games, or we won't get into the playoffs, or whatever the case may be. So if if we keep them, we lose all that money. If we get rid of them, we have to pay this amount of money. But we will theoretically, by hiring a better coach, make more money in the long run. So that's the that's the formula in a nutshell. Whether it works out that way is a different question. And it seems to me that it rarely works out that way. But just um, it seems like the best job um to have these days is a job you're getting <laughs> fired from because you get to keep millions of dollars and you don't have to do any work so um i think this is simply another example of how much money is involved in college sports how much they count on the money and that it, it's brutal if you're a coach um i'll cite you know the lsu coach for example is another one who has had a good record, but, you know, he's given his meal ticket for the end of the year. So um, it just seems like a crazy business, but it's not bad to be a fired coach. Yeah, I think that they look at it this way. Look, uh, $2.5 million, uh, what we would save after December the 16th. But wait a minute, we want to try to get another coach, and this is just yeah. the cost of doing business. And also, That's a $10 right. million dollar buyout, uh, you know, a coach doesn't have much protection. If somebody gets a wild hair on a campus and says, I only like my coaches who part their hairs, uh, hair in the yeah. middle uh, and everything. So I kind of understand it to some degree, but it certainly does yeah. show how sports, particularly at the college level, is out of whack. Yeah, I, I think it shows that the values are out of whack. And right. remember, they may have their eye on a coach that we don't know about. And if they wait, they may lose them. So they may be um, trying to preempt that by acting now. 
So, but they're the they're rolling the di- they're rolling the dice, Roy. Uh, anytime yeah. they hire a coach, I mean, you know, well, there's going to be a, a buyout. You put your team on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Let me ask you: When you were the president of the Oakland A's uh, and they played at the Oakland Coliseum, uh, did they have a name on that? And I ask that because I want you to listen to this story. The Staples Center is no more. The iconic arena in downtown Los Angeles which has been home to both the Lakers and Clippers since 1999, will be renamed on Christmas Day. It will now be known as Crypto.com Arena, and the deal is believed to be the largest venue naming rights deal in U.S. history. Crypto.com paid more than $700 million for the 20-year naming rights. Now, I'm trying to figure out, that's almost a billion dollars. What is it that anybody that you know, throws their name on a building... Uh, is going to get out of that to return, you know, return on investment. Oh, it's all branding and name identification. Um, it's first of all to roll back to the question you first asked me. Yeah, the name is a Coliseum. When we played there, it was the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. <laughs> pretty, pretty um, sexy name, huh? But uh, they eventually named it after some uh, used furniture store company or something like that and and it's gone around the the arena has also changed names but anyway the point is that almost every stadium you look at now every bowl game you look at now is uh every shirt that a nba player you look at now is branded in some ways it's just our um, our way of life, it seems, and sports is a great way to do it because you get a lot of eyeballs and, and ears every time, you know, they say, oh, this game is coming to you from the whatever the name of the company is, Coliseum, that's a pair of ears that hears it. And there are people who do calculations as to the marketing value of these naming rights. And it's a, it's a big business. And it is it is the way it is they you know they could run ads on tv or they could name a, an arena after themselves and they chose an arena but does that money generate I don't know what at, staples center was what was staples center named uh, that was a uh, staples was a store uh, grouping of stores that yeah. sold uh, business uh, yeah. uh, stuff yeah, but I'm just wondering, yeah. and when you when you pay that much money, aren't you expecting that money to drive some revenue back to you? And I just awareness, oh, yeah. I wouldn't think do it. Oh yeah, no. Look, every you know, every, find an arena that's not named after some company. I right. mean, there may be a few if somebody gave a lot of money to build it and put their name on it, but it's it's a big it's a big billboard. And uh, they do expect a return on their money, sure. They wouldn't pay $700 million over 10 years and expect that it's, you know, a gift to charity. They expect that it's going to give their name a lot more identity. Even yeah, the this... umpire's jerseys, if you noticed. Uh, I said, did see that. During the World Series had a, a, a logo on it. Yeah, so, uh, this is this is seven hundred million over twenty years just to set the record straight. Okay, and, uh, but it's still yeah. a lot of still a lot of money. And if you if you break yeah, it down, my math doesn't go that far. <laughs> I can't do that much. 
And if you break it down, it's only $35 million. I guess that's a pretty good deal. Let me ask you about the International Olympic Committee. Apparently, they're moving away from a focus on individual testosterone levels in transgender and intersex athletes as a way of determining those athletes' eligibility for competition. Now, we've talked about this, especially with the last Olympics in Japan. But in the new guidelines for inclusion, On the basis of gender identity, the IOC is encouraging policies that require evidence that transgender athletes have a competitive advantage. Break this down and tell me what this means. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, although I can't tell you everything it means because it just came out and I read their document and it's pretty vague. But having said that, um, p- previously, in order to participate, if you were born, your birth certificate says you were born male, but you've undergone um, a sex conversion, so you now are a trans woman and you're participating in sports. Uh, they used to have rules about testosterone levels and, and conversion therapies and even sometimes sex identification tests and things like that. Um, the, uh, and the same was true for women converting to men the other way around, but different, 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 uh, hormonal, uh, requirements. What the IOC is saying is we want to get rid of all that. We just want to say that, you know, you just compete. We're not going to do invasive, unnecessary medical testing. Um, we're not going to do a lot of these genetic gene, I'm sorry, sex confirmation tests and all of that. Here's the, here's the qualification, though. The IOC is only sending a recommending recommended policy to the various federations that control the sports. For example, all of international track is governed by the IAAF. The same with uh, soccer is run by FIFA and, you know, so forth and so on. So, These are only recommended guidelines, and it's now up to each of the sponsoring organizations to um, have their rules. The the track federation, for example, went through a long drag-out battle with Castor Samania over um, her her status as an intersex athlete, which basically meant she um, she had very high testosterone levels. So whether the track federation goes along with the Olympic rules is going to be another step. And of course the people who are going to be complaining are the people who have to compete against her because she was winning all the races. And so it comes down to Sometimes it comes down to those pragmatics, but the, the philosophy um, is uh, well stated that we're, we're relaxing all of these, um, medical in, medically invasive tests, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the NCAA follow this because the NCAA rules have been very similar to the uh, IOC. So I suspect we'll see a change in the NCAA rules as well. But it's going to take a while because each federation has to adopt their own set of standards. We only have a couple minutes left, and I want to ask you another baseball question, and that is Justin Verlander's first career foray into free agency. It didn't last long. He's returning to the Astros after declining a one-year $18.4 million qualifying 
offer prior to the Wednesday deadline. Now, he received a one-year contract worth $25 million. I understand those numbers, and he has a player option for 2023, but he is about to be 39 years old, has not pitched since opening day 2020 because of an elbow injury that required Tommy John surgery. By all accounts, his rehab has gone pretty well, and Verlander will be ready to pitch spring training, but you know, you have to wonder about a guy that's 39 years old, giving him $25 million. And if it doesn't work out for any particular reason, that's going to put them in a hole, isn't it? I mean, explain to me well, who, signed, why who signed him, who uh, signed the Astros. Uh, oh, Oh, they signed him back again. They I signed him. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, first of all, I don't like to second guess general managers because there can be other reasons for, doing these things, but to them, what's the difference between, you know, 19 million, which was his qualifying offer, right. and 25 million plus an option? It's, that's a, a, a rounding error for them on their, on their player budget. And, you know, he's, he's kind of like a, he's one of these tough guys who, yeah, he was hurt, but he'll come back again. I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's 40, right, or something like that. Right, so, 44. Um, yeah, 44? Wow. Yes. Almost as old as you. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, bottom line is, I don't, you know, those sound like huge numbers, and I agree, but I'm not going to second guess because the GMs. They're know, closer to it. Intangibles that players like Verlander right. bring to a team. Well, let me ask you a question. We only have uh, about 45 seconds left, but uh, when you were with the A's and running it, if you had an older pitcher, what what is the, what was the specifics you looked at, if he had, especially if he'd been injured, before making the decision to re-sign him or not? Um, well, obviously, yeah, physical, but also what his personal um, um, habits are like you know does he take good care of himself physically does he work out regularly does he eat well um a lot of these lifestyle kind of behaviors that are, are um correlate with a player who's going to have a longer career going back to brady he's a good example of that so that's what i would look for with an with an older picture the other thing is i wouldn't sign him to a very long-term contract, but yeah. um, that's a, it's, it, it's their, how well they take care of themselves that I, I looked at. Okay. Thanks a lot, Roy. Take care. We'll talk to you uh, okay. after Thanksgiving. Okay. Have a good Thanksgiving, my friend. Okay. Thank you. You too. Roy Eisenhart with us. And uh, of course he joins us for inside angle each week here on sports byline as we dig a little bit deeper on some of the interesting sports stories. We continue across the country and around the world. Good to have you with us on America's Sports Talk Show. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. 
putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scott Sully took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.